Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. I'm Buster only working from Vermont. And Sarah Abbott is working from Bristol, where you just spilled coffee all over yourself. Yes, and it's really devastating, too, because my roommate made me this coffee, which was so sweet. She got up early to make me coffee. She's the best. So, Tira, if you're listening to this, it was delicious. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was was wondering if you would tell her. Would you make a point of telling her, say, that coffee would have been so great if not for the fact I spilled it all over myself? (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty clumsy, so I don't think it's going to come as a shock to her at all. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) All right. We learned about some devastating injuries for American League contenders yesterday. Chicago White Sox all-star shortstop Tim Anderson was placed in the 10-day injury list with a finger injury. He'll be out for up to six weeks. Remember, there are only about six weeks left in the season. He'll be out for about six weeks after tearing a sagittal band in the middle finger of his left hand. Anderson, of course, the heart and soul of that team, leadoff hitter, guy who usually contends for the batting title. So for the White Sox, a devastating loss yesterday in Tim Anderson. For the Guardians, a win over the Tigers. Ahmed Rosario pitching in. Alexander sets, fires, and the pitch ripped inside the bag at third. Fair ball down the left field line towards the left field corner. And the score is Quan in the second with a double is Rosario. And the Guardians have a 2-0 lead on back-to-back doubles by Stephen Kwan and Ahmed Rosario. That was Tom Hamilton on WTM 1100. The Guardians win the game 5-2. They are tied with the Twins at the top of the American League Central with a record of 57-52. and The White Sox a game and a half behind those teams after they split their doubleheader yesterday against the Kansas City Royals. Chris Sale's season is over. After it barely started, he suffered a season-ending wrist injury in a bike accident that occurred on Saturday. He had surgery. The Red Sox are saying they expect him to be back from that surgery and ready to go for next spring training. A broken right wrist, of course, he missed the start of the season because he had a rib issue, and then he got hurt with a broken left pinky when he was hit by a line drive when he was pitching against the Yankees on July 17th. But his season now is over. He's thrown a total of 48 and a third innings since the end of the 2019 season. The Red Sox faced the Braves yesterday after getting that bad news, and they were beaten up by Austin Riley. One-two pitch. A fly ball to deep left, rising towards the foul pole, and that is gone! Two-run homer, Austin Riley. He brought the firepower to Boston. And the Braves retake the lead. I think he put that on the Lansdowne Street. Oh, easily. Pitch to Riley. He whistles one through the left side and a base hit. Harris scores. Here comes Acuna. Here comes the throw from Pham. Play at the plate. A dive. And he's in there. Rado fired up. What a slide. Just eluding the tag from Plawecki. Riley down to second base. And the Braves have a 9-7 lead here in the 11th. And they would hold on to win that game. That call from 680, the fans, so the Red Sox lose. They continue to drift backward. The Blue Jays signed former Red Sox outfielder Jackie Bradley Jr. to a one-year deal. We've talked about how the Blue Jays need left-handed hitting, and so Jackie Bradley 
will be depth for them going forward. But that signing was too late to help them in Baltimore last night. The Jays had a lead in this game after Bo Bichette went deep in the top of the sixth. Now the 0-2 in the air, deep down the right field line, headed towards the corner at the high wall, and it's gone! Bo Bichette has done it again! His second home run of the night is a go-ahead three-run homer in Baltimore! That's from Sportsnet 590. The fan, yeah, the uh, Blue Jays had a lead at that point, 5-3. to three, But then in the bottom of the eighth inning, this happened. A one. Swing a fly ball to deep right field. Tapia looking this one back. Odor is due. Odor is out of the ballpark. And all is forgotten. As the Orioles jump on top, 6-5 to five in the eighth inning, the O's get to Garcia again. That from WBAL, the Orioles win this game 6-5. to five. They continue to climb in the standings. As of today, they would make uh, the wild card round, that first round of the playoffs, based on what they're doing. So the team is doing great. A lot of excitement with the core fans. And Taylor, 11,000 people at Camden Yards last night. 11,000. I couldn't believe it when I saw it, but you know what? I think that's one of the you know the costs of tanking for a few years. It's going to take some time to get those casual fans back in. Yeah, absolutely. They did a little better over the weekend against the Pirates. The the crowds were decent, but uh, you know Wednesday night, although a huge game, but definitely the uh, the cost of tanking. Get it together, Orioles fans. Get out there to the yard. Yeah, the team is playing great. The Astros and the Rangers and the Ledmus Diaz brought Houston back in the bottom of the fourth inning. Here's the pitch to Diaz, and Diaz hits this one pretty well to center field. Going back and looking up, the ball's gone! A grand slam! Alexis Diaz, with one swing of the bat, turns this game around, and we're tied at four. That from KBME, 790 AM. The Astros will go on to win 7-5. to five. So they started the day one game behind the Yankees in the American League standings for top seeding in the AL This is how the Yankees game in Seattle ended in the 13th inning. Here's the stretch, and now the 0-2 on the way to Turan. Swing and a line drive, base hit right field. Suarez will score. A walk-off winner, Luis Torrens. And in the bottom of the 13th inning, the Mariners win it. One to nothing in this marathon over the Yankees. A great win for the Seattle Mariners, outlasting the Yankees, who made a bunch of mistakes in the bases last night. Shohei Otani was doing his thing yesterday, pitching and hitting. Here's the one-two pitch, and that was a slider, and that was a swing and a miss, and that will end the inning. That'll do it for the A's. Ride strikes out for the second time in the last two innings against Shohei, and they leave a pair of runners off. Stay. Next pitch, Shohei drives the ball deep out into right field, and this one is out of here. He jumped on that pitch. Otani's second hit of the night. A home run for uh, Shohei, adding to his season total, number 25. The Phillies announced that slugger Bryce Harper will remain as a DH upon his return from a broken thumb. He, of course, was having some elbow issues. Those will restrict him to being a DH for the rest of the season after he rejoins the lineup. The Padres needed a jolt last night, and they got one from Juan Soto. So now full count to Soto. Three and two. Here it comes from Cobb. And a swing and a towering drive to right field. That's going to tie the game. Juan Soto's first as a Padre is a no-doubter to right. And later, with a score tied, Manny Machado chipped in. 
Here's the pitch, and man, he swings, hits it in the air to deep left. Peterson's going back. He's watching it. Then a go. Three-run walk-off home run, Manny Machado. Forget about the blown save. 7-4. The Padres win it in the bottom of the ninth. That from 97.3 in San Diego. And the Dodgers are a runaway train right now, drawing attention from even a basketball legend. Stroke to left. Good cell phone footage. Pinch hit double, Trace Thompson. They send that video off. Dave Vassay's got to get that email to us. We'll show the Steph Cam. Yeah, so what happened was Steph Curry was there to watch the Dodger game, and Trace Thompson came up, of course, brother of one of Steph Curry's teammates, and Steph came back to watch that last plate appearance, and Trace, who was pinch hitting for Mookie Betts at that moment, ripped a double. Steph Curry got the video, presumably sent it to his teammate. Dodgers win 10-3. to They are absolutely crushing other teams these days. Got some great numbers to back that up. We'll be talking about those with David Schoenfield. All right, Taylor, what else you got? Buster, I said it yesterday, Houseful Yankees fans endorsed the captain, of course, about Derek Jeter. Final episode is on Thursday. You can watch them all on ESPN+. Buster, have you ever called Derek Jeter Jeets unironically, like in a conversation, just like, oh, Jeets? No. Okay, I didn't no think chance. so, but I, wa- I wanted to be <laughs> Derek, sure. I've never called him anything other than Derek. Now, I have called players by their nicknames, but I can't remember calling him anything other than Derek. Uh, Jeets makes me want to vomit. Anyway, uh, ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production, presents Moxie Bets. Make bets with Moxie, with betting expert Katie Mox and her merry band of games. Gambling insiders as they preview lines, spreads, parlays, and props with personality and the kind of advice they would give themselves. That's Moxie Bets. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. 
David Schoenfield, who writes about baseball for ESPN, stays up watching baseball, which is what you were doing last night, Dave, against your Mariners facing the Yankees in what turned out to be kind of a crazy game, scoreless, into the 13th inning. Buster, come on. This is like the biggest game the Mariners have played in 21 years. Of course I had to stay up and watch it. What an absolutely ridiculous game. I've never seen anything like that. Maybe Tim Kirchin has. We need him as a you know, to pop in here and tell us if this has ever happened before. But, wow, what a game. Okay, tell me about some moments that just will stick with you. Well, okay, first of all, Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo had to be the best pitching matchup of the year. Uh, Cole goes seven scoreless. Castillo goes eight. They're both just dominant. The, the thing I loved about that, though, eighth inning, Yankees get a couple runners on, but Scott Service leaves Castillo in the game. And I loved it because usually they get, they get hooked in this day and age. But I love that service left them in there. Let these guys compete. I, I don't think we let the starting pitchers compete often enough, especially in a game like that, you know, where you're battling the opposing starter. You want to win or lose that game yourself. You don't want to hand it to your bullpen with a couple runners on base and have somebody give up a bloop hit. So I love that. Uh, but then, of course – Extra innings, 10th inning here. I wrote this down. Yeah, okay. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, they had a runner on first base. The Yankees do a double steal, but Benintendi leaves second base too early, gets caught stealing. That's base running blunder number one. 11th inning, Aaron Hicks, line drive to second base. Miguel Andujar, who had just been called up, doubled off second base. There's base running blunder number two. 12th inning, we have a runner on second base, Jose Trevino. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, ground ball to Matt Brash. I'm sure you guys played this highlight. Brash, unbelievable, reaches behind his back to make the play. Hard to blame Trevino on that one, but he's dashing for third. He gets caught in a rundown. He's out. Kiner-Falefa tries to make it to second. He's out. But here's the thing, Buster, in the 11th and 12th innings, because of those two double plays, the Yankees only batted, sent two batters to the plate. Aaron Judge was the final out in the ninth. He didn't hit again until the 13th inning. How crazy (laughs) is that? (laughs) That has uh, never uh, happened before. I guarantee you that. A, A batter going four innings between hitting. Yeah, and I feel glad that the piece that I, I worked on about the Yankees improvement in base running ran a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Okay, I'm glad I got that one in under the wire because since I wrote it and turned it in, it's been kind of ugly. Aaron Boone talked about that after the game, just basically said we have to do better. And this maybe this is a tipping point where, you know, the Yankees have been so good in running the bases, or at least they were for the first uh, four months and one week of this season, that, uh, you know, the players feeling good about themselves. All right, we got, you know what, we're really good. And then I, I think as time has gone on, maybe they've, uh, they, they're, they're sort of assuming that they're faster than they are. Part of the reason why the Yankees were amazing running the bases this year was the fact that you had a lot of guys who aren't very fast doing a lot of big things. Right. And those are some of the guys making mistakes right now. Um, you mentioned Garrett Cole with that outing last night. The Yankees lose this game, but I bet you that internally the Yankees are heartened by what they saw from Garrett Cole because the one thing is that we, it, it feels like anytime there's real pressure on him since uh, like midway through last year, 
uh, he it's been a struggle. So I think if you're the Yankees, you're feeling good about what you saw from him. Yeah, no doubt. Remember, he had started against Seattle last week, and they scored six runs in the first inning. And that was a weird game because he came out throwing a bunch of breaking balls, and he was hanging them, and they hit a bunch of home runs off him. So he came out today, and he had said, I got to throw more fastballs, and he did. And he was blowing up by them. So it looked like a vintage Garrett Cole outing. Granted, the Mariners aren't a great offensive team, and Julio Rodriguez is still out. But, yeah, they need Garrett Cole to get on a roll. They need him to quit giving up home runs because he's going to be the number one starter in a playoff series. So they need him in the you know right frame of mind. All right, we've seen a lot of situations uh, through the years where a guy moves from a you know a non-contender to a, a contender in a trade, and you just don't know how they're going to respond to a market with more pressure, a situation with more pressure. You know, an example that didn't work out well that comes to mind was Sonny Gray. Right, the Yankees get him. Guy's been an ace in the past with Oakland. He's pitching the postseason. He goes to New York and he melted down. There's no other way to say it. He didn't fit. I got to say, like, first impressions of Luis Castillo, if you're the Mariners, oh, my God, this guy's going to be great in October. Yes? <laughs> yeah, well, no. I think he might be their number one starter, you know. You know, they got to get there. Let's not jump ahead of things. The Mariners have a way of blowing these kinds of uh, playoff races. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's looked great. And, look, he's faced the Yankees three times in the last 30 days, once with the Reds and then twice in the last week. You know, look. They won both of those head-to-head showdowns with Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo. So that tells you how well he's pitching right now. Um, you know, with Cincinnati at times, his command would waver. Um, not the case so far. Uh, it looks like a great, great pickup. All right. I am really thankful that I don't have to uh, cast a vote for American League MVP this year. That's all I'm going to say. You know, we had Tim Kirchin on the pod yesterday, and he said that for him, there's no question, Aaron Judge is the clear MVP in the American League to this point. But Shohei Otani keeps compiling all these numbers <laughs> offensively and pitching. And I'm telling you, if you're in that spot and you're casting a vote, you're going to make a group of people mad one way or the other. The clear <laughs> analytic case is for Shohei, as it was last year, when he you know won the uh, award in a wipeout over Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and on the other hand, Aaron Judge is having one of those seasons we're never going to forget. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, I'm with Tim. I mean, to me, Judge, assuming he doesn't slow down here, what's he at, 44 home runs? It really yep. is a historic season. Remember, he's doing this in a year where the offensive numbers across the league aren't great. I've actually worked on a piece for Friday comparing him to the other 60 homer guys. And obviously we know the extenuating circumstances with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa but and Barry Bonds. But all those home run seasons came in big offensive years. Um, yes, home runs are high right now, but the runs per game in the AL is just 4.23. So Aaron Judge is doing this in a season where the pitchers are relative dominant overall. Um, look, I know Otani – uh, you know, another great game last night. But to me, it's Aaron Judge, and I don't think it's that close right now. Okay, that's how you're feeling about it. But, you know, I mean, writers, uh, their ebbs and flows to how they do these awards. I brought up yesterday the National League Cy Young Award, Edwin Diaz having this amazing season. Yeah. Uh, and yet, if you look at how in the last 20 years how voters have handled relievers, they basically haven't gotten a sniff 
of the right. Cy Young Award. And I do wonder if when we get to the, the end of the year that some of the voters say, well, look, last year Vlad Jr. was great and his team was more relevant than the, than the Angels, but I voted for Otani because of his total production, and that's yeah. going to be there again this year. No, it's true, and um, I think what hurts Otani a little bit is, in a way, he's being compared to himself. Now, pitching-wise, he's better this year. The numbers across the board, ERA especially, much better than last year. The offensive numbers aren't as good. You know, look, last year, him and Vlad were 1-2, right? They were the best hitters in the league. So that got Otani even more attention than he's getting this year. Um, look, you can look at war and all the advanced metrics, and it's going to be tight, no doubt. Um, but Aaron Judge, look, historically, we love guys with home runs and RBIs. They win a lot of the MVP awards, and that's what Aaron Judge is going to have. Um, but, you know, we got two months, you know, to play this thing out here. I know you were paying attention last night to Rodolfo Castro, <laughs> the Pirates rookie who had an unusual slide during last night's game. Give a listen. He's in the third. His phone comes out of his pocket. Now that's a first. Goodness. <laughs> and there's Adam Hammery. Dude, your phone is down. Hey, right there. <laughs> That was our old friend, Steve Berthume, who I know him. He's got a great sense of humor. I'm sure he had a ton of fun with, uh, fun with that when he saw a replay. Rodolfo Castro, I'm guessing he's heard from teammates about this just a little bit, Dave. What do you think? Oh, man. And this kid, he's been up in the majors earlier this year, but he was actually just recalled on Tuesday. I wonder if he might be going back down on Wednesday. Look, as old guys, we love to complain about the technology in the game. Well, this is one I think we can legitimately complain about, a player attempting to play with his cell phone in his back pocket. So, yeah, that's not going to go over well in that clubhouse. No, I think generally speaking, you know, the feeling of, of teams is, look, leave the, the cell phones in your clubhouse, and what you've heard from other <laughs> players, especially older guys, grumpy older players, coaches, managers, is that players between innings will retreat back to the clubhouse and check out their phones, see text messages, see social media. Uh, this might have been a case where he just forgot to take the phone out of his pocket. I don't think he will again a- anytime soon. Uh, Astros, with that uh, Yankee loss last night, with the Astros win, they tied the Yankees for best record in the American League. Dave, I think this is a big deal. Yeah. I did too. Look at the Yankees' uh, home road splits, you know, way better at home. So I think it's much more important for them to get that number one seed over Houston. You know, it like Buster, I don't know. I'm going to ask you a question. The Yankees are 13 and 19 since July 3rd. Um, did they peak too early? Is this kind of who the Yankees are at this point? Uh, look, I, I thought they overachieved with their rotation, uh, that yeah. their early season success was the fact that they got so much production out of a rotation that uh, had potential injury concerns going into the year. You know, you, you didn't know if Luis Severino would last. You didn't know if Jameson Tyon would last. And those guys made starts in 76, the first 80 games, and they played out of their minds. And I think this is – I don't think they're as bad as their record over the last 30 games, but I think this is a regression to the mean and what they really are. Um, and let's face it, it certainly underscores the gamble that Brian Cashman took, the Yankees general manager, when he traded from that pitching depth, and it's yep. not a lot, uh, moving Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, which I do think uh, gives him a chance to be better in the postseason. 
but they need Frankie Montas, uh, yep. you know, to perform better than he did in his last outing. They certainly need Garrett Cole to step up as well. That's part of the gamble that they made, you know, the, the, in return for a potential shutdown outfield that they could have in October, they were willing to give up Montgomery. And I think it made sense, but it did come with some risk. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and I, I know one reason they made that trade is the Astros aren't great against power pitching. Montas is a power pitcher. Montgomery is not. So that trade was definitely made, I think, specifically with facing the Astros in October in mind. But I think this is the most improbable thing I would have thought of all year. But back in April, we never would have said this. The Yankees are going to miss Matt Carpenter for the next month or however long he's out. Like, <laughs> you know, he's been putting up those Babe Ruth numbers and, you know, Stanton's out right now. Um, so that bottom of the lineup right now is pretty soft, you know, and those guys were getting all kinds of opportunities and in extra innings last night and couldn't come through. So, wow, the Yankees really need Matt Carpenter healthy. Yeah, part of the reason why was because with Rizzo being out, you know, he's helped to, yep. to, to, I think, to give some protection to Judge or at least to potentially make opponents pay by having the left-handed hitter behind Judge. I mentioned it, Tim, on the podcast yesterday. I kind of harangued on it. I don't understand why managers don't use the intentional walk as much as they used to. I don't understand why they keep pitching Darren Judge, given his <laughs> production. Uh, you know, we went through the numbers that were on a, on, a, on a pace at this point to have the lowest rate of intentional walks since 1930. Uh, and you see, I don't get it. I must say, like, we had a, a situation in the game on Sunday night that I talked to Tim about. It, the, the Padres were down 4 nothing. Uh, they had a runner at second base. They're two outs. And Freddie Freeman's at the plate, and Will Smith is on, is up at the plate. Uh, or excuse me, on deck. You've got a right-hander on the mound. That, to me, was like a clear situation. You know what? I'm not dealing with Freddie Freeman in that moment. I'm going to pass on him. My goal is to just keep it at 4-0. I like the righty versus righty matchup. I, I, I feel like there are too many decisions made in baseball these days that take into account this broad range of, of results over the course of the year, as opposed to looking at specific instances like that. Why are they pitching to judge Dave? Yeah. Well, last night we finally did get that intentional walk, you know, with the ghost runner on second and judge leading off the 13th, yep. uh, the Mariners put him on. I thought it was a little risky only because you open yourself up to that big inning, but Rizzo wasn't in the lineup last night. And Josh Donaldson had been pinched rent run for earlier. So speaking of that protection, that didn't happen. Um, I remember what happened here. Glaber Torres struck out and Duhar grounded out. They got out of the inning, you know, so that was a case where they weren't going to let Aaron judge beat him, and it worked out, you know? So yeah, he's so locked in right now. Um, and without, I don't know how long Rizzo's going to be out, but yeah, boy, they, without Rizzo and Carpenter, you have no left-handed hitters in that lineup. So Seattle's just bringing out one right-handed reliever after another and getting out of the, you know, out of those jams late in the game. I know why you weren't watching the Dodger game last night. It wasn't only because the, the Mariners game was so <laughs> compelling, but also the Dodgers just keep blowing out teams. Uh, their offense is on a, a ridiculous roll to the degree. Hembo sent me these numbers, Dave, about the run differential in their victories. Uh, this year so far, it's a 
according to the numbers that Hembo sent me, that would be the sixth best of all time. Okay. The 1939 <laughs> wow. Yankees won by an average of 2.7 runs per game. The 1927 the Yankees, 2.43 runs per game. The 2020 Dodgers won by 2.27 runs per game. But as you and I know, that was over a 60 game season. Uh, the Dodgers beating teams by an average of 2.14 runs per game. It, it really, uh, and got a chance to see them up close the other day when we uh, did have the Sunday night game against the Padres. I mean, they are just passing the baton, you know, walks, guys taking the ball the other way, guys just looking to have, have good at bats, and they're just wearing down opponents. We walked away. I know, uh, you know, in our car ride to LAX after the game, our conversation was, boy, who's going to slow down that offense? Yeah, you know, and for a long time, most of this season, we're like, well, Max Muncy's sitting under 200. Cody Bellinger's barely hitting over 200. Well, those guys, even the last week or so, are showing signs of heating up. It's only a week. Don't want to read too much into it, Dodger fans. I know you're not high on those two guys, but Buster, imagine if Muncy and Bellinger start hitting the rest of the way. Um, they're getting production. Trace Thompson, a thirty, you know, 31 years old. He's been all over the place. No signs ever of hitting in his career, you know, but because of injuries, they've had to play him. He's got an 889 OPS, you know. The Dodgers just put guys in the lineup, and they hit. You know, they put guys in the rota- rotation. They pitch, you know. Um, just what they've done the last six, seven years is remarkable. I don't think they, I don't think they get enough credit for it. They're going to win 100 games again. Oh, at least. Like yeah. if they wind up with 110 wins, I don't yeah. think that's going to surprise anybody. And Max Muncy, by the way, when we were around him the other day in our conversation with Dave Roberts, he mentioned, you know, how it seemed like they were putting it together. Last one for you. Keith Hernandez had a classic Keith Hernandez <laughs> moment on SNY. You know, I've expressed to the to the front office, not the Met front office, our front office of SNY, that, that I, I hate doing Philly games, so I guess they gave, they gave me to get the series off. You hate doing Philly games? Oh, because they always never seem to... Oh, up and in fastball. Uh, they never seem to uh, disappoint. I mean, they, they, over the years, now they're hot right now, but I would like to see them. But, you know, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been just, you know, not up to it. Maybe we can shoehorn you into the schedule now that they're playing well and maybe up to your standards. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. How about that from Keith Hernandez? Doesn't want to do Philly games because they're just not fundamental enough for him. Well, I, I'm not going to disagree, but Buster, Keith needs to check in. These are the new and improved Phillies. They're 40 and 19 since the beginning of June. They made a couple changes at the trade deadline to improve their uh, years of horrific defense. So, Keith, go check out the Phillies. They might actually give your Mets a little run for the money here. Yeah, and looking at the first round of the playoffs, you're thinking, boy, with Harper back in that lineup, uh, with their defense improved, with the the quality of their starting pitching, that that could be a team that could surprise some folks. Oh, yeah. Look, you know, in a short best-of-five series, do you want to face Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, you know, three out of five games? Those, those guys can shut you down. So I'm with you. The Phillies, you know, we get asked, who could be this year's Braves? I think the Phillies have a chance to be this year's Braves. 
All right, I don't see that. But <laughs> I would say this, uh, you know, the way that it falls right now, you could see the Phillies and the Braves play each other in the first round. First off, that would be the best first-round series that we would see. You get the defending champions against a team that's red hot. Uh, but in a short series with the starting pitching that they have and the power in that lineup, they could they could definitely be the team that sends the Braves home. Yes? Well, look at the – I mean, I would compare – maybe the 2019 Nationals are a little better comparison. The Nats yeah. squeaked in as a wild card, but they had Scherzer and Strasburg. And I don't want to say Wheeler and Nola are quite on that level, but they're pretty close. And they could carry a team in October. And like you said, if you get Harper back, uh, you know, the lineup's pretty good, too. All right, Dave. Well, I appreciate you getting up for us after that last night out in Seattle. Late All right, night. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> Wait, we got an afternoon game. I can't afford to miss that. Yankees-Mariners afternoon. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America or all around the world and all around the world. Or you can go to his website, ToddRadom.com. And Todd in recent weeks, you become the Red Sox cri- uh, critic, given the fact that you are a longstanding fan of the Red Sox, a team that seems to be utterly collapsing in the standings. How are you this week? Well, Buster, my first game at Fenway, as I have said to you on numerous occasions, took place in October uh, or early September of 1978, the Boston Massacre, as it was called. So it's been a long road, and perspective is in order. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as far as the Red Sox are concerned, ugly seems to be the right kind of word to use. All right. So ugly was the theme of the day yesterday when they got word that Chris Sale, who has been an utter disaster in terms of actually producing uh, pitching results uh, for them since he signed that five-year, $145 million deal. We get word that he crashed his bike, he broke his wrist, he needed surgery, he's out for the year. What was your reaction when you heard this? You can't make it up. 
like it seems like something out of uh, some bad fiction. Uh, I will always remember Chris Sale already putting him in the rearview mirror here, standing on the mound, celebrating the fact that uh, closing out the 2018 World Series at Dodger Stadium. And uh, I prefer to think of that. But yeah, not a great extension to say the least. A lot of money wrapped up in a guy with uh, the wrong kind of body type. And I can't help but think, Buster, of the Pedro Martinez discussion of many years ago about investing a huge amount of uh, of revenue in a guy with a body type that was seemingly destined to break down at some point in time. Yeah, that's why he dropped in the draft, right? When he came out of college, people yeah. were worried about it. And from what I understand, the internal conversations with the White Sox when they trade him to the Red Sox was, boy, we got a lot out of him. Let's move him along. So well, then, whenever he breaks down, it's not on our watch. So you're right. That's been part of the history. And I would say this, like Heimblum asked me my opinion yesterday on the on the call uh, with reporters. He said, for starters, what you said, you can't make this up. And then he uh, made a joke about how uh, that, you know, the Red Sox need to dispatch some people to go find whoever has the Chris Sale voodoo doll and recover it. I I tell him, like, I don't think Red Sox fans are kind of like open for jokes like that. (laughs) No, it's not. That is not a satisfying answer for those of us who, you know, pay what we pay to get into Fenway for our, uh, you know, $16 beers and all of that good stuff. No, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear that they have a definitive plan. And again, an entitled Red Sox fan here, four World Series championships in the uh, 21st century. I get it. I get it. Cleveland Guardians fans are thirsting for something that we have been wallowing in for the last 20 years almost. Um, But that having been said, uh, great expectations always. It's just the market. You know that. You grew up where you did. And um, they're going to have to get this right. And they're going to have to get it right sooner or later because of the revenue model that they have predicated upon keeping the line moving with advertisers and sponsors. And one thing that is not being talked about with all this buster is the fact that public reports indicate that the Red Sox have a patch sponsor lined up for next year. And they are just getting ready to drop that news at a certain point in time. And that's a pretty serious amount of money. So Spend it. Spend it wisely. Have a plan. Yeah, and by the way, their payroll flexibility after this year, after Xander Bogarts presumably opts out of his contracts, is going to be staggering. Like, the only contracts that they're going to have on the books are uh, for Trevor Story and for Chris Sale and a little bit of money to Matt Barnes, like $8 million. Besides that, it's a clean slate, effectively. So, if I were to, again, you know, Bloom is not going to ask my advice, nor should he. Uh but I would tell them you better plan to spend a lot of money this winter. And you got to, as a good faith gesture to your fans, Chris Sale, 48 and a third innings in the first three years of that contract. Uh, what a what an utter disaster it's been for the team. All right, let's get to this week's Phantom franchise. All right, Buster, the year was 1958, and the Cleveland Indians' home attendance was plummeting at an alarming rate. The club won the 1948 World Series and drew 2.6 million fans. A decade later, that number was 663,000. They were some $3.5 million in debt, big money back then, and ownership was looking for an escape plan. The Dodgers and Giants had just moved to Los Angeles and San Francisco, 
The Browns, Athletics, and Braves had also shifted in recent years, and Minnesota was dangling a ready-made Major League Stadium just waiting for a tenant to fill it. We obviously can't continue this way, said Cleveland's chairman of the board and majority owner, William R. Daly. Horse racing, he said, was ruining baseball in Cleveland. Cleveland has more horse racing dates than any other city in the U.S., he noted. If the club could have bet, could have betting in their ballpark, he mused, then business might be better. He said that he wanted to keep the team in Ohio, but only if the community could support it. Meanwhile, he was entertaining offers from other cities, with Minneapolis, Houston, and Toronto most frequently mentioned as potential landing spots for the club. Minneapolis agreed to guarantee 1 million fans a year for three seasons. A Houston group offered up $6 million for the club, which would have set a record. Cleveland's board of directors turned it down. Daly served notice that they would move the team unless there was a substantial increase in home attendance. Simultaneously, the Washington Senators were also eyeballing the Twin Cities, where they would eventually move after the 1960 season. Hall of Famer Hank Greenberg, who had been fired as Cleveland general manager the previous year, still owned about 30% of the Indians, and he was reportedly in favor of a move. A feud was brewing between factions of the ownership group and a Back the Indians committee led by civic leaders was formed in August to help save the ball club for Cleveland. In October 1958, with the clock ticking and the Senators bearing down on Minneapolis, the team's board of directors voted unanimously to remain in Cleveland. The club is here to say, said Daly. The civic effort to sell season tickets bore fruit as the club drew almost a million and a half bands in 1959, but this would be the last time they'd crack the million mark buster until 1974. The Indians were rumored to be on the move at various points after this, but today we are imagining a world with a Houston or Minneapolis Indians or Guardians, and they are this week's Phantom franchise. And you and I don't have to imagine a world in which the uh, Cleveland baseball franchise and the Baltimore Orioles are selling out every game every day, Todd. Isn't that no. incredible to think about? <laughs> yeah, it is, it's astounding. 90s, it was incredible how the, those ballparks were filled. Don't the Guardians have a banner of, or some signage of some sort, Buster, which commemorates their sellout streak uh, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s? I mean, that place was electric, and I can't help but think about being there for the 1995 World Series, first time that the Fall Classic was played in that city since 1954. The atmosphere was just unbelievable. Um, good ballpark, fun downtown, a gritty city. Hopefully they have something new, uh, something to grasp onto with all this sooner rather than later. And the same would go for Taylor's O's. Yeah. Uh, and as uh, you and I speak, the, the Guardians tied for first place in the American League Central. All right. Let's get to this week's quiz. All right, everybody. I need to reiterate the standings at this point in time. Buster oh leading the pack with nine. Sarah with six within spitting distance. And Taylor bringing up the rear with three. So here we go. Week 21 of our quiz. The Reds and Cubs are playing in the Field of Dreams game in Iowa, another chapter in their very long history. So here's this week's question. What was the Cubs team nickname the very first time these two clubs met on April 19th, 1890? Was it the Ansons, the Bears, the White Stockings, or the Colts? The Cubs team nickname 
when the Reds wow. and Cubs first met, Buster covering the team April 19th, 1890. <laughs> the Ansons, the Bears, the White Stockings, or the Colts. Wow. All right. Uh, Sarah, since you have all the momentum, you're going to go first. Ah, okay. Um, what was the first one again? Ansons. Ansons, sure. Bears, White Stockings, Colts. We'll go with them. <laughs> with them? Which one? <laughs> with A. A. Option okay. A. <laughs> on, the, on the record. Okay, Taylor, what you got? Uh, I don't know what an Anson is. I'll go with Colts. Oh, man. Um, just for the fun of it, because I don't know the answer. I do know what the Ansons are about. Um, and I'm going to leave that one alone, I think. I'm just going to go with the irony. I'll just say White Stockings for the fun of it. They were called the White Stockings originally, but Taylor has the Colts, yes. and they were uh, the Chicago wait. Colts. Finally. 1897, and Taylor, very good. Congratulations, sir. It's been a while, as Stained would say. Yeah, I, I thought about picking them. Uh, t- uh, Todd, you want to give them the uh, context for Anson's? Yeah, I was going to say, what's the context? I just guessed. Cap Anson, the captain of the team, early baseball Hall of Famer, played for that franchise for uh, approximately 87 seasons in the 19th century. (laughs) Very complicated figure for those who are interested and aren't aware of this. Sarah, look him up. You'll find some kind of unsavory things, but he was a legend then. And, you know, they... I take back my answer. I don't support or condone any of his actions. Well, that wouldn't have been a... We're, we're just acknowledging what was so, but Colts is the answer. There you go. All right. Congratulations, Taylor. Thank you again, Todd. We'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody. Thank you. Bleacher tweets. All righty, Buster Bleacher tweets for a Wednesday. Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit. Up first, pick your poison. Bases loaded with two outs. Would you choose to face Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, or Freddie Freeman? I'd rather face Trey Turner, and with all due respect to him, All-Star are going to get huge uh, dollars in this offseason when he reaches free agency. Uh, Betts, Freeman, longer track records. Freeman, so difficult with that approach he has in play, taking the ball the other way. I'm taking Trey Turner. Basically, just retweets at Tennis or Base B, writes in, won't it be an advantage to the team in the third spot in the American League wildcard because they don't have to face the top two wildcard teams. Huh. Um, you know, I thought about that. The top, the third spot in the American League wildcard. So you're basically saying because you get to play the American League Central team, you'd rather face, uh, say, the Guardians over the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know. I, I guess a little bit. But Toronto right now with that lineup being so right-handed, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to get through the postseason. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, same here. And the Guardians are really, they're coming on. They're really making me nervous here. As, well, and uh, they've got the good starting standings. pitching. Like, you could see the Guardians winning a first-round series. Oh, you definitely. Know? For sure. Especially in Cleveland, if they wind up winning it. The Twins, you know, made nice moves at the deadline. Maybe they get better. And I don't look at the Blue Jays or your Orioles or, you know, the Rays as being these teams that you're necessarily going to be afraid of in a short series. Mm-hmm. I agree. Matthew Porto at 30-year-old Mulberry writes, and does Buster have any good stories from the Dodgers side after covering them on Sunday Night Baseball? How is everyone taking the loss of Vin Scully? That team is rolling. Yeah, the, I tell you what, I had a long, nice conversation with Jaime Harin, their legendary uh, 
broadcaster who's going to retire after this year. He met Vince Scully in 1959, and he had these amazing stories. He clearly was hurting from a loss of a close friend. Uh, and he talked about, you know, having the opportunity through the years after games to sit and drink wine with Vince Scully in a, you know, in a hotel suite with Joey Malfitano as a coach and Dave Wallace, who was a coach, and to hear Vince Scully's stories. And, you know, he said the memory of that man, he, he was just amazed by him. And there were a lot of Dodger people who were sad, you know, for the passing of someone who, you know, was in his 90s. It surprised me a little bit. It felt really raw, uh, I think, for a lot of the folks who knew Vin, you know, that he's not around anymore. Last one for today, Nick Lurkins, my favorite uh I guess uh, a job combo here, banker by day, DJ by night. He's asking, looking for at the strength of schedule, considering the Brewers dealt away hater, considering the Cardinals fortified the rotation, the Redbirds have to be a near lock to win the NL Central. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't, you know, he talked about this the last couple of years. You look at the Cardinals and you look what's happening in the National League Central with the Cubs now, you know, tanking and, uh, you know, the Reds uh, stripping down to the bone and the Pirates coming back from tanking. Uh, the, the division and the Brewers, to me, deserve so much credit because they've managed to, you know, be at the top of the division in recent years, despite the fact they have such a modest payroll. And they'll always have to manage the payroll. But it's been shocking to me that the Cardinals haven't dominated that division. Like they have advantages financially. They have, a, you know, terrific uh, player development system. You'd think they'd be running away with the National League Central. They should uh, They should look into that, running away with the National League Central, especially in the offseason. It's a good idea. Good game plan. Good tweets. Thanks for writing in, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back tomorrow, and that is Thursday. That's it for today. My thanks to Dave, Todd, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And again, to reiterate what Taylor just said, uh, we'll have another podcast on Thursday. So we'll go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Take care, everybody. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.